Well, it's a, a great, great joy for Helen and I to be with you tonight. I have heard many times about Windsor Baptist Church. You have a great reputation, let me tell you. Anything I have ever heard has been good and positive. And uh, I'm sorry to say this is our first time here. Uh, I don't think it will be the last, but it's certainly the first. So thank you to David in his absence for the invitation to come during his sabbatical. And as I say, it is a genuine joy for us to be with you. If you have your Bible with you, please um, turn it open to Romans chapter 10. As a young preacher I heard recently said, you know, somebody told me the Bible used to be a book. So whatever form you have the Bible in, whether it's on your iPad or your phone, or if it's still a book like I have here, um, let's have a look at Romans 10. And then if you just put your finger in Acts 9 as well, um, and Acts, if you turn left at Romans, you'll find Acts, so it's uh, very easy to find. Romans chapter 10 first, beginning at verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And then Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 10, as you know, Acts 9 is about um, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Um, and this particular passage we're going to, going to read, I think, is often one of the most forgotten parts of this conversion of Saul of Tarsus. So many people know about the Damascus Road and Saul's conversion, but not many seem to remember this passage. Oh, I think it's crucially important. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. 
He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. I used to play a lot of rugby, and unfortunately, on one occasion, uh, someone's head and my nose had a close encounter of the worst kind. As far as I know, his head has been fine ever since, but my nose hasn't. As you probably hear from how I speak, it's a bit nasal. And I've had six, no yeah, six, six nose operations. Let me tell you about the last one. Just a few years ago, we were still living in Cavan at the time, in the Republic of Ireland. Drove down to Dublin to, uh, for me to be admitted to the hospital where I was to have this sick nose operation. On the morning of the operation, a nurse came into our, my room and she said to me, um, Bishop Clark, I have to go through some of the pre-op procedures. That was fine. I knew that had to happen. And then she said three words that I have to be honest and tell you I did not like. And the three words were these, at your age. Okay. <laughs> now, I knew by that um, she was saying this because I was older. If I'd been younger, she wouldn't have had to tell me what clearly she was about to tell me. Not only did she then proceed to tell me something that was relevant to people of my age, she produced two visual aids in connection with her explanation. And I was uh, shocked, uh, it's not an overstatement, when I discovered what these two things were that she was holding up. They were skin-hugging, tight-fitting white stockings. <laughs> and she said, at your age, for this operation, you have to wear these. Now, I don't know what rugby players are like now, but let me tell you, when I played rugby, we did not wear stockings of any kind. <laughs> let alone skin-hugging, tight-fitting white stockings. So she said, these are so tight, I will have to help you put them on. Things were getting worse. <laughs> she then rolled one up into, it kind of looked like an enlarged polo mint. And she moved in the direction, oh, by this time I'd got my left leg out of the bed, you see. And she moved in the direction of my left foot. At that moment, I had a moment of stark revelation and I'll tell you what it was. I knew something that she didn't know, but she was about to find out. I have two of the tickliest feet that the Lord, <laughs> that the Lord has ever created, and I'm not exaggerating, ask my wife. She, she daren't come near my feet. I'm just, I'm gone, from, I'm gone. She didn't know that, but she found out. I'm not exaggerating when I say she was no further than two inches down my left foot when I was uncontrollably laughing. Now, have you ever been with someone who's uncontrollably laughing? What happens next? You start laughing, isn't that right? And she did, and she did. And at that moment, I had a second moment of revelation. I could just see the headlines in the Sunday newspapers. I thought, if anybody comes within 30 yards of this room, I'm finished. I'm finished as a bishop, I'm finished as a Christian leader in Ireland. It's over. I could just see the headlines in the Sunday newspapers. Can't you see it? Now, why do I tell you this story? I'll tell you why I tell it. Well, before I tell you why I tell it, I want to ask you a question. How are your feet tonight? 
I bet you pastored a lot, never asked that, or David, or whatever you call him here. In fact, I wonder, have you ever been asked that before at a service of worship? How are your feet? Tickly? Sore? Blistered? Tired? Remember talking to a friend some years ago who's a church leader in East Belfast. He'd been visiting somebody who lived in East Belfast, and she said something to him for which he needed the gift of interpretation of tongues. She said, just been to the cherry potest. He thought, what on earth is that woman talking about? He said, pardon? I've just been at the cherry potest. He hadn't a clue. Now, let me give you a piece of advice. When you haven't a clue, you pretend you do and you ask some questions, okay? So he asked a few questions, and then the light dawned. It was the chiropodist she had just been to, okay? Maybe you've been at the chiropodist this week about your feet. Can I tell you something, and this may be a surprise to some people. The reason I ask you this question, how are your feet, is because God is interested in your feet. If you were listening carefully to that reading that we had just a moment ago, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And every disciple of Jesus Christ is called to be a person with beautiful feet. We are called to be gospel people, good news people. So I ask you again, how are your feet tonight? Are they beautiful? Are they the feet of a person whose life radiates good news? We not only proclaim the good news of the kingdom as we're called to do, but we live it and people see the difference? Are we a church with beautiful feet? So that we're known in this community and in this locality as good news people? In our reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, I think we have an example of someone whose feet were beautiful. And incidentally, please know, and those of you who know your Bibles will know this, those words are recorded both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. These are important. Prophet Isaiah and Paul writing to the Romans, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And in Acts chapter 9, I think we have an example of somebody with beautiful feet. There's his name, Ananias. You know, if you ask a bunch of people in most churches and you say to them, have you ever heard of the Apostle Paul? Most will say, of course we have. That's a crazy question. But if you ask a second question, have you ever heard of Ananias? Who? And yet I dare to suggest to you that if it hadn't been for Ananias we may never have seen the wonderful ministry and leadership of the Apostle Paul. Ananias was a key person at a crucial time in the life of Saul of Tarsus. And yet he's one of the great unknowns, isn't he? He's not a big-name celebrity, but he was a man with beautiful feet. Let me tell you why he was available in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. 
the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. And he answered, yes, Lord. And the Lord gave him instructions. Ananias, I want you to go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying. Isn't it interesting how the Lord spoke to Ananias? Luke in the Acts of the Apostles tells us he spoke in a vision. You know, sometimes I think we're too narrow in our understanding of how God speaks to people. He's the sovereign God. He can speak in all kinds of ways. I have to be honest and tell you one of the highlights of my life, one of the great privileges of my life, was to attend the last Lausanne Congress in 2010 in Cape Town, South Africa, as one of the representatives from the Republic of Ireland. And during the course of that Congress, we heard again and again stories, particularly from the Muslim world, of how God is breaking into people's lives in most extraordinary ways. People having visions, dreaming dreams, hearing God speak. One story I will never forget was of these two missionaries, husband and wife. We weren't told which country it was for obvious reasons, but it was a strongly militant Muslim country. And they were driving one day. It was really, really hot. And the wife said to her husband, listen, whenever we come to a store next, could we stop and get something to drink? He said, sure. And after a few miles, they came to this store. Outside it, there was an armed guard, military uniform, big gun. And as the guy was parking the car, his wife said to him, the Lord has just told me you're to give that man a Bible. <laughs> his immediate response was, well, darling, the Lord hasn't told me that. Ananias, hesitation. She said, I'm telling you, the Lord has told me you're to give that man a Bible. Well, he said, he hasn't told me that. And he went in, he bought the water, came back, they headed off, and as they were driving along, married couples, have you ever heard of a little marital? There was a little discussion going on in the car in which she repeated what she believed the Lord had spoken into her life, and he repeated his uh, disagreement with this. And then she really came in heavy. She said, I'm not going to say any more, but I'm just telling you on judgment day, that man's soul is not in my conscience. Wow, that's heavy. He turned the car and he drove back. He was terrified. Got the Bible got out of the car, he went to the armed guard and he said, <clears throat> God has told us we're to give you this Bible. And do you know what the man did? He didn't shoot him, he didn't arrest him, he didn't go for him. He took the Bible, kissed the front of it, turned it over, kissed the back. He believed it to be God's holy book. He took it away, thanked the man. He read it and was converted, soundly converted. His family disowned him. And several years later, he became another martyr in the history of the church. How did it all start? Well, of course, it started in God's heart. But it started with a missionary couple with beautiful feet.
and a whale of a lot of courage. And God spoke in an unusual way. It was a prompting. God can speak in a whole variety of ways. He is the sovereign God. And sometimes when he speaks into our lives, like Ananias, there can be, yes, an availability, but if we're really honest, there can be a hesitation as well, can't there? And I just love the honesty of Ananias in this passage. He says, but Lord, hold on. Do you realize who this man is? Look at verses 13, verse 14. Listen, Lord, we have heard so much about this man. This man's in a kind of paramilitary gang. He's going around killing people. He's a gang, part of a gang, that wants to exterminate the followers of the way, those who are seeking to be disciples of the carpenter from Nazareth. Lord, do you not understand that this man has come here with authority from the chief priests in Jerusalem to arrest everybody who calls on your name, and I'm one of them. I've had it if I go to see this man. It's good to be honest with the Lord and just tell him our hesitations. But look at what Ananias did next. The Lord said, go. Verse 15, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their king and to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. What does Ananias do? He's heard God speak, go. He can stay, or he can go to that house of Judas in Straight Street. Big decision to be made. I wonder, are there some of us here tonight And we know in our heart of hearts that the Lord is calling us. He's calling us to do something. He's calling us to a new area of ministry and service for him. And like Ananias, we've been hesitating. We've been saying to the Lord what the cons are, why we shouldn't. We've been expressing our hesitations. And the Lord says to us tonight, Go. Go. You see, the issue really is a crucial one, isn't it? It's an issue of obedience. Will we obey the Lord or will we not? We hear a lot about the Holy Spirit nowadays. We need to hear a lot more about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit only grows in the garden of obedience. As we as the people of God obey our God, the fruit of the Spirit flourishes in a church, in the lives of individuals. What will Ananias do? And I love these words in verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Wow. Just put yourself in his sandals. What must have been going through his head as he journeyed over to the house of Judas on Straight Street in that great city of Damascus? All the fears, all the hesitations. What's going to happen to me when I get 
to see Saul of Tarsus. He certainly wasn't thinking of taking a selfie with Saul. That's for sure. But he went. He went. And he entered the house. Beautiful feet, folks. Beautiful feet. And he went in obedience to bring Saul of Tarsus good news. And you know, I think some of the most powerful words in the whole of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, are the words that Ananias spoke to Saul of Tarsus. The first words that Saul of Tarsus ever heard from the lips of Ananias. Oh, they are, as the Americans would say, awesome. What did he say? Brother Saul. Wow. Brother Saul. This persecutor of the church, this man who'd been present at the stoning of Stephen, this man who'd been giving his life to his religion and to the extermination of the followers of the way, the followers of the carpenter from Nazareth, and here's this ordinary disciple, Ananias, a common five-eight like you and me. And he gets up from his house in obedience to the Lord, speaking to him in a vision. And he goes to that house and he goes in. And I, I suspect he may have put his arm around him. I don't know what he did or kissed him, whatever the appropriate greeting was in Damascus at that time. But what he did say was, Brother Saul. If that isn't grace, tell me what is. If that isn't affirmation, tell me what is. If that isn't mercy, tell me what is. If that isn't being like Jesus, tell me what is. Ananias, beautiful, beautiful feet. I wonder if there's somebody, and if we're really honest, things have been a bit tense with that person. Maybe far worse than that, there's been actually a grand canyon between us. And the Lord's saying to us tonight, go, get it sorted out. If you really love me, you love him, you love her. We're called to walk in the light. We're called to have fellowship with him and fellowship with one another. We're called to encourage each other, be people with beautiful feet, grace-filled people. Will any of us ever forget the, that moment not that long ago in Ireland when we all witnessed this. You remember the great debate, will they shake hands or will they not shake hands? Went on endlessly, and they did. And I suggest to you that for both of those people, that was a massive, massive step. Massive. There are many in Ireland who would have said, we would never see anything like that. I believe there's a scriptural word for what we see here, and the word is grace. 
our queen giving what wasn't deserved. She did it. And I guess from where he was coming, there was a lot of grace too. I wonder who the Lord is asking us to reach out to, affirm, welcome, support. Just think of the people in your life who have been people with beautiful feet. Because in all of our lives, there have been people with beautiful feet. Maybe it was the person who led you to Christ. Maybe it was the person who gave you some encouragement along the way. Maybe it's somebody who this very day has been praying for you. Maybe it was somebody who just was with you when you were going through a tough, tough time. God used them as a person of beautiful feet in your life. Do they know that? Have we ever thanked them? Ever told them? Could I ask you to do something? If there's somebody who has come into your mind as I've been saying this, someone God has used as a person of beautiful feet in your life, and you've never told them that, please, I ask you, after tonight, would you email them, ring them, call and see them, write a letter to them, let them know. I can tell you here and now, you have no idea what that will mean to them. They may never, ever know that God used them in that way to be a blessing in your life. I was thrilled to hear Stephen say he's just back from leading a weekend, a script union weekend with a bunch of young people. It's exhausting when you're a leader. I'm amazed he's as wide awake as he is. You know, I thought he'd be like the keyboard player who had a dream he was playing the keyboard and he wakened up and he was rather embarrassing when that happens. Do you know, I tonight thank God for Christian school teachers who invested in me and others when I was a teenager at school in Sullivan Upper in Hollywood. One of those teachers has been praying for me for over 50 years. And almost every year for 50 years, I've had one or two handwritten letters from him. We keep in touch with each other. I thank God for that school teacher, a man with beautiful feet, folks. He brought me and so many others good news. Please, please let them know if they're still this side of glory. Thank them. I remember Helen and I lived in Coleraine for 15 years with four daughters. One of our girls helped with Greystone CSSM for quite a few years, just south of Dublin. One year during the CSSM, she became unwell. A doctor saw her, said she had gastroenteritis. A family there was looking after her. A second doctor came the next day, said the same. But she was getting worse and worse. Helen and I drove from Coleraine to Greystones to get her, drove her straight back to Coleraine. She was not well. Took her straight to the GP in Coleraine. He got her on a drip immediately. He said, this girl is very ill. She needs to go into hospital immediately. Phoned Coleraine Hospital where I was chaplain. Couldn't get her in, full up. Phoned several hospitals. Eventually got her into Antrim. She was rushed down in the ambulance to Antrim. 
we, we went to, very quickly she was admitted to theater and the surgeon said, we don't know what's wrong with her, but we know she is very, very unwell. We have to operate immediately. We don't know what we'll find. And it must have been about 11 o'clock that night or half 11, we were in a first floor outside one of the theaters in Antrim Hospital. It was so quiet. A&Es are very busy at nights in hospitals, but other parts of hospitals can be very quiet at night. And we were anxious parents, I can tell you. And then we heard footsteps coming down the corridor. And around the corner came a familiar face, one of our friends from the church in Coleraine. He'd been going to bed that night when someone had phoned and said, do you know Tanya Clark's in hospital? Oh, he said, I didn't know. And instead of getting into bed, he got dressed and got into the car and drove from Coleraine to Antrim just to be with us. Beautiful feet, folks, beautiful feet. We will never forget that. He brought us the good news of his presence with us. What had happened, Tanya, was several days before an ulcer had burst, which nobody knew she had. She didn't know, we didn't know. And for several days, that whole stuff was draining into her system, poisoning her. And she just got the operation in time. Thank the Lord she recovered, but after quite some time. But we will never forget that friend. Beautiful feet. So please, the people God, some of the people God has used in your life, please make sure they know that he has used them in that way. And let me turn it right round. Supposing I was asking that question of other people tonight, would your face or my face be coming to their minds when I said, can you think of people God has used as people of beautiful feet in your life? If God hasn't used us in that way, why not? He wants to. He wants to use us to encourage others. He wants to use us to be a blessing on the others. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. And the Lord calls all of us, without exception, to be people with beautiful feet. And why do we want to be that? Well, I'll tell you why. Just in your imagination with me for a few moments, let's pretend we're looking up. And as we look up, we see two feet. They're bare feet. They're the feet of a man. Actually, they're the feet of a criminal. And this man has fallen short of the standards of his day. He's certainly fallen short of God's standards. And he's hanging there, paying the penalty for what he did wrong. And then something incredible happens. He hears words that just change his life. His past is forgiven. His present is changed. His future is completely transformed. And what are the words he has heard? He has heard, today, you will be with me in paradise. Wow. It's not what he deserved. Not at all what he deserved. But it was grace. He heard them from a man with beautiful feet. 
If we just swing our heads around a few yards, we'll see two more feet. These feet, too, are the feet of a man, and these feet, too, are bruised and bleeding. But they're not the feet of a guilty man, they're the feet of an innocent man. They're not the feet of somebody who's done anything wrong. In fact, he never did anything wrong in the whole of his life. They're the feet of Jesus, a young man, 33 years old. And why is he there? Because of you and because of me, because of our sin. And dare I suggest to you that those feet of our Savior, Jesus, are beautiful feet. Not only has he brought us good news, he is the good news. And it's because of him that you and I want to be people of good news in the lives of others. It's because of Jesus. So there it is, folks. That's the message for tonight. And I'm just so thankful to God that I had the privilege of giving this message after we'd shared in the bread and wine together. Because we've just had a powerful reminder of the Savior with beautiful feet, the good news Savior, a person who gives us hope, new direction. And as we go out from here tonight, I hope and pray we'll go out with a fresh vision of the kind of people the Lord has called us to be, good news people. So with this I finish. How are your feet tonight? Tickly? Smelly? Sore? Tired? I hope we've heard God's word tonight and he's called us all to be people with beautiful feet. And I can tell you as someone who has lived in both Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland for major chunks of my life, the people in Ireland today need to see a good news church because they've heard so much bad news from the church. They need to see a beautiful people because they've seen the ugliness sometimes of what happens when people don't honor God. And they need to see men and women and young people with beautiful feet. They need to see Jesus.